The Old Testament reading is taken from Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, a treat to be with you and a treat to be looking at this great passage uh, from the book of Joel this morning. Uh, So do keep it open in front of you. I wonder what the best invitation is that you've ever had. Uh, I remember receiving an invite uh, quite a while ago now uh, to go and study in Spain for a year, and I was so excited to be going to live on the Med uh, for a year in the sunshine. Uh, maybe you've had an invite to uh, a really swanky wedding, uh, or um, uh, to go and study at a certain university, uh, or an invite to join some friends on a really nice holiday. Uh, I don't know what comes to mind for you guys. Uh, but even more than those uh, big invites, Uh, Sometimes it's the the small personal invites uh, that mean even more, isn't it? Uh, Maybe it's the the friend who who you haven't treated very well, uh, who graciously says, uh, why don't you come over for dinner? Uh, Or uh, on an even deeper level, maybe it's the parent or spouse who you've quarreled with, who you know you haven't loved as you should have, uh, and yet they say, hey, come home, uh, let's have dinner. Uh, That's the sort of incredible invitation Uh, that we see today in this passage in Joel, Uh, but it's on a far greater, deeper level, and it's an invitation from our Creator. Uh, So come with me as we read this wonderful invitation this morning, Uh, but let's pray before we dive in. Father God, we pray that wherever we are coming from this morning, uh, whatever our week has been like, please quieten our hearts and make us ready to hear from you in your words. Please speak to us through it this morning. Amen. Uh, Well, as Dave has said, we're working our way through the book of Joel uh, in the Old Testament, and this is our third week in the book. In chapter one, uh, we saw that the big issue of the day uh, was this massive plague of locusts that had hit the land and was devouring everything. Uh, But we also saw that it was a warning from the Lord. Uh, It was a call to listen and wake up. Why? Uh, We'll take a look at the second half of verse 11 in chapter 2, just the sentence before what we read today. Uh, It says this, For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? We've seen that the day of the Lord is coming. Uh, It's near. uh, God will bring justice. 
And who can stand? Who can endure it? No one can. Uh, We all fall short. We've all pushed God away. And so what are we to do? What were the people back then to do? Thankfully, there's this amazing invitation in the next verse. Uh, Have a look at verse 12 onwards. Uh, We read, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, uh, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. God's, God speaks into that situation and he graciously invites them to return to him. He says, it's not too late, come home. Come back to the one who is in charge and in control of everything. And he says, return to me. But he also makes it clear what the nature of that return must be. The Lord says that this return to him should be with all your heart. It's to be heartfelt and genuine, and not just some outward display or, or quick attempt to appease God. It's also to be with mourning and repentance. Uh, Joel doesn't yet spell out uh, up till now what the people exactly needed to repent of, uh, though it's clear from the previous chapters that there is a serious problem here. But he does show us what is involved in repenting. And it's not just saying sorry. Because he also says uh, this amazing phrase in verse 13, rend your hearts, not your garments. It's an incredibly striking, challenging uh, picture, isn't it? Back then, tearing your clothing was a, a symbol of grief or distress. Uh, so, for example, in 1 Kings, you can read of King Ahab, who was condemned for his wickedness. And we're told that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. But we later find out that it wasn't genuine repentance. Uh, It was just an outward show. And here God says, uh, tear your heart, not just your clothing. There would have been nothing wrong in Joel's hearers tearing their clothes as a sign of sorrow. But we're told that that on its own wasn't enough. If it was just an outward empty symbol, If that was all it was, uh, then it actually added to the problem. It added to their sin. You see, God tells us that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God says that the, the heart of the people's problems was the problem of their hearts. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful about all things and desperately sick, and it's their hearts that needed to change. As one author puts it, this return to God needed to be reality, not just formality. And if we think that it's just the people back in Joel's day who needed to hear this, uh, we need to listen to Jesus. Uh, Because he, when he walked on the earth, he quoted the prophet Isaiah. uh, And he said of the religious people of his day, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That can so easily be us, can't it? Uh, we honor God with our lips on a Sunday. We, we sing his praises. Uh, but then we go off and chase after other things during the week. Uh, and the way that we use our time uh, or our money uh, or our energy doesn't reflect what our lips have been saying on a Sunday. And here God says, no, what I seek is true 
Repentance. A true repentance before God is an earnest cry to him from the heart. What does it look like? Uh, well, here are three, uh, pictures, uh, three uh, pictures of true repentance. Firstly, it's a, it's a change of heart. Uh, it's seeing the depth of our sin, seeing the way that our sin impacts the world around us, and seeing that it was our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Uh, and therefore, having a change of heart and longing for God to change us from the inside. Now we get, get an amazing picture of this in Psalm 51 uh, from King David. He, he recognized the depth of his sin and he cries out to God saying, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God you will not despise. So true repentance is a, a change of heart, uh, but it's also, secondly, uh, it, uh, true repentance involves a change of mind. Uh, it means seeing sin differently, uh, not just seeing it as some bad things that we do, uh, not seeing it as our culture often does, uh, as just a bit of fun and nothing too serious, uh, but seeing it as an offense against God himself. Uh, it's personal. And it's serious. Author uh, Jerry Bridges writes, sin is a serious business to God and it becomes a serious business to us when we reflect upon the fact that every sin, uh, regardless of how seemingly insignificant it appears to us, is an expression of contempt towards the sovereign authority of God. So we need a change of mind on sin. And thirdly, true repentance involves a change of life. Sometimes what we do or say uh, on the outside can cover up a lack of repentance on the inside, can't it? Uh, but there's never a change on the inside uh, without some sort of change on the outside, uh, a change of life. You might know the story of uh, John the Baptist when he was baptizing people in the Jordan. Uh, and yet when he saw some of the outwardly religious people of the day uh, coming to the baptisms, uh, he turned them away and he said to them, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. I, uh, show me the fruit of true repentance and then I'll baptize you. Friends, where is it that we need to repent? Uh, it's so easy for our repentance to be half-hearted uh, or just something we say, isn't it? Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on something, some thing, some area uh, in your life today which you need to bring before the Lord and mourn uh, and truly repent. Uh, maybe there's some area of your life uh, where you know that your repentance has just been an outward show. Uh, or you've repented with your lips in the confession on a Sunday, uh, but it hasn't been true repentance. Where do you need to come before the Lord with a broken heart? What is God highlighting in your life? But wonderfully, God says to the people then, and he says to us today, yet yeah, even now, return to me with all your hearts. Uh, he holds out that wonderful invitation doesn't he? Uh, but let's face it, in, in any relationship, uh, that's difficult, isn't it? Uh, it can be difficult to return and to say sorry. Uh, maybe like me, uh, you've been guilty of uh, 
eating all the chocolates on the, your, on the side and not leaving any for your lovely wife. Uh, and you think, well, maybe I, maybe I did leave a few. Uh, maybe the kids got them, or it must have been the dog. I mean, surely that's what they were on the side for, for, for eating. Uh, and that's just in the most tiny thing, isn't it? But what about if we make a mistake uh, when we're driving and we damage someone's car, or, or if we've genuinely hurt someone in a relationship? Uh, it's difficult to say sorry and admit our sin or guilt in a relationship, isn't it? Because we don't know how the person will react. Uh, we don't know their character. Uh, we don't know if we can trust them. Uh, maybe they'll milk us on the insurance for the car and claim they got whiplash just because we admitted our fault. Uh, or maybe we'll be pushed away in the relationship. And if we've consistently alienated someone, uh, maybe a parent or partner or friend, uh, it can be difficult to believe that we'll get a favorable response uh, if we try to build bridges again. Uh, it's so dependent on their character, isn't it? But here's the great news. We can trust uh, God's invitation because of his great character. Uh, here's what we read in verse 13. Joel says, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Uh, he can be trusted. Uh, Joel says, you can come back to him and repent in this way, because here's what he's like. Verse 13, he is gracious and merciful. Uh, he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Uh, that is God's wonderful character. It's unchanging. Uh, his character and his promise to his people run through the whole Bible like a golden thread, uh, so we can trust him. Uh, and so we can be broken and honest before him. You might have heard of the famous uh, preacher from the 1800s, C.H. Spurgeon. Uh, and the story is told of him uh, going to visit a local farm. Uh, and apparently uh, on the wind vane in the farm uh, was written, God is love. Uh, and Spurgeon was pleased to see it. Uh, but he said to the farmer, I guess that could be taken to mean that God's love is as changeable as the wind. Uh, but quick as the uh, flash, the farmer replied, no, it's to show that God is love, uh, whatever direction the wind and whatever the weather for the harvest. Uh, and back in the time of Joel, uh, even that huge plague of locusts uh, was linked to God's love. Uh, it was a call to, to wake up uh, and to recognize that there is a far greater danger. The day of the Lord is coming. Uh, but God calls them to return to him in repentance. And he will be there with arms open wide, uh, ready for their return, ready to bless them. When we read of God's character here, it's hard not to think of that picture that Jesus gives us in the New Testament, isn't it? Uh, of the son who demands his father's inheritance uh, while he's still alive, heads off, squanders the money in a faraway country uh, in reckless living. Uh, he sp spends the lot and he ends up feeding the pigs, uh, wishing he could even eat the pig's food. Uh, and in desperation, he finally decides to return home. Uh, how will his father react? Uh, what's his father's character? Uh, can he trust his father when he returns? Uh, he, he thinks, well, maybe he'll be merciful enough to at least allow me to be a servant to my dad. But we're told that uh, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him 
and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And he, he throws a huge feast uh, to celebrate the son coming home, doesn't he? Uh, and that father is a picture of God. That's the heart of God. He's full of compassion and he's abounding in steadfast love. And so he doesn't just call us to return to him. Uh, he actually makes it possible for us to return to him uh, by giving us his son on the cross. So the judgment that we deserve for our sin, uh, the judgment fell on Jesus. Uh, the judgment that will come at the day of the Lord, uh, it falls on him and not on us. Now, in many ways, uh, I'm just repeating uh, exactly what the apostle Peter said to the crowds at Pentecost. Uh, Peter tells them what Jesus has done for them, uh, and he urges them to return to God. And here's how the pe people respond uh, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, it says this, Now, when they heard this, uh, the good news of Jesus, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when the people hear the gospel, they're cut to the heart, to the point that they say, what should we do? Uh, and Peter says, return to God in repentance, and he'll welcome you back. Now, isn't that exactly what the people are told here in Joel chapter 2, hundreds of years beforehand? Uh, they didn't know that it would be Jesus uh, who would make it possible. Uh, but that's the message here in Joel chapter 2, isn't it? Uh, and fast forward uh, past Pentecost to us today, uh, and God still offers us that amazing invitation, uh, and he calls us to return to him with torn hearts. But it's also clear in this passage that this invitation demands an urgent response. Uh, that's what we see in the final part uh, of these, uh, this passage from verses 15 to 17. Uh, we're not going to go into depth, but uh, verse 15 says, uh, blow the trumpet in Zion. I, I, here's a call to action. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Uh, it's saying, whether you're young or old, uh, whether you're an elder in the assembly or a newcomer here, uh, even if you're a newly wed couple on honeymoon, there is nothing more important than getting right with God. Uh, the most pressing thing, whoever you are right now, uh, the most pressing thing is to respond to his invitation and to return to God with a broken heart. Uh, if we've never done that before, and we're here today, this is a plea to take action and not to wait. But it's also true if we've been a, a Christian for years. The New Testament makes it clear that godly sorrow, uh, when we become aware of our sin, uh, is one of the signs of being a true Christian. The American preacher Samuel Brengel said this uh, in fairly old-fashioned language, I have carried a penitent or repentant form around in my heart for half a century or more. And if there is ever any need, instantly I fly there 
Jesus waits, loves, pities, and never turns away the seeking soul. Brengel knew God's character, uh, that he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And he knew to keep returning to him each and every day in true repentance and faith. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning and confess that our repentance is so often half-hearted, a tearing of our garments, but not our hearts. So like David in the Psalms, we ask that you might create a clean heart in us by your Spirit, that we would grieve our sin and long to follow your ways. Thank you that we can return to you this morning in our brokenness and be honest with you because you are gracious and compassionate, abounding in steadfast love, and you long to welcome us home. Amen.